Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. In a divided world, I'm so happy to be a part of a ministry that's all about reconciliation. When we say the word diversity, it it talks about embracing God's heart for every nation. And I am privileged to introduce to you um, the co-founder of our Every Nation Movement of Churches globally that's in over a hundred nations of the world, which would be Dr. Rice Brooks. What I love most about him is that he spends time with college students. In 40 different nations, he's ministered to college students. I want you to get ready to hear an inspired word, uh, a touching word, an insightful word, but most importantly, a life-changing message that leads you to Jesus. Get ready. Here we go. In 2012, I'm in Los Angeles sitting on a movie set, and my phone rings. It just happens to be lunchtime. Rife Brooks is on the line. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm at a movie set in Los Angeles. My daughter's in a film. She's trying to be an aspiring actress. He starts telling me about how many kids, what percentage of church-grown kids will go off to a liberal college and walk away. We're debating. I'm losing the debate. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit hits me like you wouldn't believe. I'm like, Lord, me? Really? Do a movie? I've never done a movie in my life. I walked over to David White. I said, hey, you don't know me, but my daughter's in your film. I want to do a film called God's Not Dead. I can fund the film, I can deliver the band, and I can deliver the author of the book. And he looked at me and said, are you for real? I said, yeah, I'm for real. 31 days later, we signed the contract. What I've been told now is over 40 million people worldwide have seen this incredible film. For so long, I've been wanting evidence to be able to come to an event and have it right here. It's great. So Dr. Rice coming to the University of Cincinnati um, is a really big deal because this campus is pretty hard. It's pretty intellectual and there's actually a fair amount of atheists here and it's very unreached with the gospel. Um, there's a lot of excitement around it and just a lot of questions. So we're believing for great things and just um, students to come to know and professors to come to know Jesus. I didn't believe that well, but uh, after watching the, the third series of The Guy's Not Dead, I, I knew essentially about Jesus Christ. And Pretty interesting seeing the deeper dive into like the logical thought process behind like the creation. Um, you know, is it is it logical to believe in a God? That's something that I've really struggled with personally. And so to see like some of the, you know, harder facts about it, it's, it's pretty cool. The information that you presented suggests the existence of some sort of external force 
that uh, might have influenced the, 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 the universe that we see today. few weeks we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer and we call it the Lord's Prayer because it's the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. The disciples were watching Jesus do miracles and the powerful teachings he gave but when they came to him they didn't ask teach us to do miracles. They said teach us to pray. The disciples saw the connection between this Jesus going into a place of prayer and powerful results happening. Now, Jesus was the Son of God. He was the second person of the Trinity, as we say theologically. But yet, by becoming human, by God becoming a man in Christ, he did things uh, as a human. The book of Philippians says that he, he emptied himself, or he, he humbled himself and took on the form of a servant. So this great God becomes a man in Christ. And so we see this mystery of, of God in the flesh, yet as a man and as a person, he's praying. And so when the disciples come and say, teach us to pray, he teaches them the prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. And it starts out like this. He says, he says our Father who is in heaven. I, I remember the King James Version so vividly. Many of you learned it like that. Our Father who art in heaven. But the first thing that sticks out is, is that Jesus uh, said our Father. It wasn't just a personal thing that when we come in to pray that we have a, an understanding that there's a community that we're, it's just, it's not about me. It's not just about my needs. It's something about when we just pray for ourselves all the time that it ends up becoming obviously myopic and, and yet we're, we're, we're turned by this prayer into the fact that there are other people. Our Father who is in heaven. And then he says, hallowed be your name. And, and so we come into this prayer reverencing God's name. One of the Ten Commandments talks about not taking the name of the Lord in vain. And a lot of interpretations of that, but, but his name is not common. I mean, my name is not holy. Your name is not holy. Uh, we think that there are sacred names that we revere of people or institutions, but yet there's one name that is above every name that we are to consider truly as holy. Hallowed be your name when we speak to you. We're not just talking to a buddy. I know a lot of people uh, think it's kind of cool to have this casual prayer. Hey, God is my friend. Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is just all right. And they kind of throw out the name of Jesus in a cavalier way. But when we, when we come before God, the, the operative thought should be, holy is your name. I'm, I'm, I'm approaching the one true God. I'm approaching the God who has the power, not only to create the world and the universe, but to help me. So I'm reverencing your name. Then it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so 
again, a collective sense, a prayer for whatever is going on on the earth, and we've got a lot of problems. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Now, many times people like to use these phrases, and I, I, I call them quotes out of the book of hesitations. You know, uh, like God helps those that helps themselves. That's, that's the book of hesitations. Uh, or somebody is so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. But it's just the other way around. When, you're, when your thoughts and your mind uh, are on the kingdom of heaven and on what God's will is like in heaven, the order, the power, the, the integrity, the light, uh, the peace, your kingdom come, your will be done here as it is done there. So it's not like we're just trying to abandon the world and leave it you know, to its mess. And many, many people think that somehow that that's the, the right mentality, that the world just needs to be left alone and let's get out of here and get to heaven. But the prayer of Jesus was just the opposite. May your kingdom come, may your will be done here as it is done in heaven. Now, obviously, that uh, for those that understand the Bible, there's not going to ever be a perfect world until, you know, Christ returns again. And he has promised that he will return. Even as he left and ascended after his resurrection, he will return again in the same way. But in a continual way, we're praying that the will of God would be done. And his will is peace. His will is love. His will is forgiveness. And everything that this prayer talks about on earth as it is in heaven. And then it says, give us this day our daily bread. Again, we're not, uh, we, can't, we shouldn't be shy about asking God for things. Jesus taught us to say, give us this day our daily bread. And it's, it harkens back to the story in the Bible where uh, the children of Israel, after they escaped slavery in Egypt, and they were wandering in the wilderness. If you don't know this Bible story, maybe you saw the movie, The Ten Commandments. But anyway, they were wandering in the wilderness, and every day they had to, to get the manna, this, this uh, food that would appear on the ground. And every day they, had to, they, they would take their portion. Give us this day our daily bread. And, and never, maybe never more than now, for many of us, that's a daily prayer of, Lord, thank you for this day providing for our needs, our needs, not just my needs, our needs. And then he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, we're debt conscious because, you know, maybe there's payments or late fees. Uh, any debt now becomes, uh, looms large in, in light of the economic, uh, economic conditions. And so Jesus said, and when, we, when we pray, we say, forgive us our debts as we forgive those that are our debtors. So not only a physical debt do we, when we ask for forgiveness, uh, would, we must be willing to extend forgiveness to others. But how much more spiritually, if somebody's wronged you, if somebody has offended you, uh, how many times have I needed God to forgive me? And I go to God and say, Lord, forgive me. And, and it's, it's, it's as if I can hear that phrase. I'll forgive you as you forgive someone else. I've had counseling sessions where couples come in and uh, this one has done this and this one has done that. And I say, okay, you need to forgive him and she needs to forgive you. Well, I don't want to do that. Why should I do that? I don't feel like it. So let me give you a motivation. The Bible says if you don't forgive those that uh, you're offended at, he won't forgive you. Now, that, that, puts, that puts a different perspective on it. If I want God to forgive me, I've got to be willing to forgive others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those that are indebted to us. I'm pausing just to let that sink in, not to go too fast, because that's just a simple moment of just saying, I'm, I'm sorry, and, or I release you f- completely. 
What's the motivation? Because I want God to forgive me, I, I must forgive you. And then the prayer is, it teaches us to pray that Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation. Now, as Pastor James talked about, God's not the author of temptation, but we still must ask him for help. I know this is, this is going to sound a little silly, but because human beings have free will and we've been given uh, this, this power of choice, I kind of see prayer as almost like a tag team. You know, the old, uh, in Tennessee, we don't call it wrestling, we call it wrestling. And uh, I, I was raised in Texas, it was definitely, in fact, uh, uh, my grandmother was convinced professional wrestling was real. And uh, so I just, <laughs> I don't want to go there, but all I have to say is, is that I'd see these tag team matches and the person would be getting, you know, be getting beaten up or chairs thrown on top of them or whatever. And all of a sudden, their tag team partner just needed to be tagged. You know, that famous painting where, where God is reaching out and touching man's hand. I see that as a tag team. If I can just lift my hand and tag him in prayer and not be, not be remiss, not say, no, I've got it, I've got it. No, I'm reaching out to you. I'm tagging my prayer partner. My prayer partner is my heavenly father. And I'm asking him to lead me not into temptation. In other words, Lord, deliver me out of the places and lead me so that I don't go into a calamity. Kind of like your GPS and you, you turn on ways and it tells you uh, there's a wreck this way or that way. And you're wanting to be steered away. Lord, I'm asking you to lead me away from situations that will be, that will, that could produce harm. You know, many of us know when temptation's coming, we actually know if we uh, turn to this internet site or we go into this situation or into this, this particular place, we're going to be facing temptation. And so all, already in our prayers, we're saying, Lord, I know many times the places that if I go there, I'm going to face temptation. Lord, give me the strength to go another way, even though something inside of me would really like to go that way and to say, well, you know, I didn't realize. Oh, yes, we did. Most of the time, we know when there's going to be some kind of temptation that if we go here, we're going to face. And so in our prayers, we're saying, Lord, give me the strength. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Take us away. Lord, evil is everywhere. So I'm asking you again, I'm tagging my tag team partner and saying, deliver me from evil. Again, never, never has that been more, uh, more needed, uh, more, should we be more prayerful and more intentional in that prayer. Now I want to finish by going through the last three things that when we pray that prayer, it says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Again, our Father who, is in, who, who you are in heaven, hallowed be the, your name, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then it says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I want to take these last few moments and just go through those three critical things, the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Let's start with the kingdom. Thine is the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. We hear the phrase, the kingdom of heaven, and we think again about something way up there, but really Jesus taught the kingdom of heaven is within you. He talked about the kingdom of heaven being at hand. And really what you'll find in the Bible is that there are two kingdoms. 
And I don't, at the risk of being oversimplified or you thinking I'm just borrowing a theme from Star Wars, uh, there's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And both of these kingdoms presently coexist. Each one uh, has rules and principles that are really diametrically opposite. In the book of Colossians, it says that he has translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. When Jesus was talking about being born again, he said, unless you were born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I remember as a, as a college student when I, I was a, you know, I wasn't a Christian yet, but um, I looked around and, you know, everybody looked pretty normal to me. It looked like, you know, this is the world and this is how it operates. People are people. And when I came to faith in Christ, it was like my eyes were open and all of a sudden I could see that there was two different ways to operate. I realized that there were people that were called, who were followers of Christ, who were called to live differently than the people in the other kingdom. That didn't mean that we were to hate one another or to have a war between each other. In fact, that's just the opposite. In the kingdom of of Christ, in the kingdom of light, we actually were required to love our enemies, to pray for them, not to treat them disdainfully or to, to patronize or just to preach at them, but to literally serve and love them. And so the kingdom of God, and so this kingdom, what makes the kingdom of God distinct is that it has a king, and the king's name is Jesus. And that's why it's not just saying this prayer of, oh, Lord, I, I know you're there, and uh, help me today, forgive me today, and forgive me tomorrow, because I'm going to do this again. It isn't just kind of treating God as, you know, just kind of a, you know, this, you know, this, this, this being we turn to when all else fails. But really, it's about being a follower of Christ, Being a disciple meant picking up our cross and following him. Our cross is basically the, just like Jesus' cross was a place where his will, in in essence, ended and God's will took over. Not my will, but yours be done. That when we pick up our cross, we basically say, I don't really feel like doing this. I don't really feel like forgiving. I don't really feel like loving. I don't really feel like serving. I don't really feel like turning away from evil, but not my will, your will be done. And that's what people should be like who are in the kingdom of God. When I talk to sports teams uh, and I talk about this, I'll usually take these three words, the kingdom, the power, and the glory, and I'll say, the kingdom is like the winning team. And I'll ask the question, whether it's a pro team, whether it's a college team, or whatever level, I say, do you think you can make this team with a partial commitment? You know, when you hear sports uh, with athletes talking about why they won the championship. They, they, you will hear them telling the story of selling out for the team. And really, if you want to be on Jesus' team, is there any less commitment? You know, many people come to, to the kingdom of God as if they can give some little tip to God or some little partial effort and think that's enough. But we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength, all of our body and all of our strength. I mean, think about it, all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, all your body, all your strength, that's all. You can't get any more than that. And Jesus basically is calling for that kind of commitment. If you go to get married, you don't stand at the altar and say, I want to be dedicated to you 364 days out of the year, but the other day, I'm going to say for the other person in my life, no, you you gladly, willfully, uh, intentionally, Make a commitment forsaking all others. Say, this is it. And that's really what it means to be in the kingdom of God. It means is that you are, you are giving your entire heart to Christ. 
And as I've heard it said many times, if you give your heart to him, uh, you don't give it to somebody else without his permission. Everything else now comes as a result of your love for Christ. And that didn't mean you don't, that you love anyone less or, or that you d- discard other people. Actually, by loving him first and prioritizing him, you really get greater power to love your family in a greater way and those around you because of his love that has been offered and shed abroad in our hearts, as the Bible says. And then that takes you to the second place, the power. You see, if the kingdom is the winning team, then the power is, this, is the winning force. Now, many people see, and back to athletes, see athletes doing all they can to get an advantage, to get physical strength. Many of them will cut corners to, to get an advantage over their opponent. But this, the power we need is not just about physical power. The power we need is the power over the, the fears that stalk us in the night, that, that can twist our minds and can warp our perspective. One of the first verses I learned as a new believer was this, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. But what's the opposite of fear? Of power. The spirit of God is a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. You see, this is a, I'm sitting in a virtual empty sanctuary here, but if if, if you turn the lights off, getting, you know, trying to get, you know, if the darkness is here, then dispelling darkness is difficult, but just the smallest light completely changes the perspective. And when we're walking in darkness, the power we need is the power of God's light. It's like many times people give up hope because it's like darkness is obscured and, and silence their hope or shut out all hope. And it's like taking a pin and, and sticking that pin into this dark dark sheet of, of that's covering us and next thing you know you see this little small beam of light god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind when the light of god comes into any situation it overcomes it overwhelms the darkness so god hasn't given you a spirit of fear but of power he's given you power over those things that stalk us so that we can look out at whatever challenge not discouraged not defeated but with hope. The kingdom is the winning team. The power is the winning force. But the glory is the winning motivation. The kingdom, the power, and the glory. You know, I talk to people a lot uh, about why. Why do you, why, what's your purpose? If you're in sports or in business, what's this about? Is it about proving others wrong about you that said you'd never make it? Is it about um, proving to yourself maybe that you can do something? All the motivations we seek. But there is a motivation that I believe is the highest, and that is to do something to honor God. My college roommate is a guy named Steve Merle, and he went uh, on a summer mission trip to the Philippines in the the mid-'80s, and 35 years later, uh, he built a congregation with the help of, of obviously, many, many others, uh, of thousands. And, he was, uh, and as he was sitting there in this coffee shop in the Philippines, uh, realizing that God had called him to stay, not just for one month, but for potentially the rest of his life, that uh, what would he do? And he took, out a, he took out a little napkin, I believe it was, uh, in Dunkin' Donuts, 
And he wrote down that uh, this ministry we're going to build here exists to honor God and advance his kingdom. Honor God and advance his kingdom. When we do something for his glory, it's something that, that, that causes everything now to change in terms of the why, why we're doing what we do. We come into his kingdom. Jesus said, my kingdom has a narrow entrance. It's like going into an airport. You've got to go through that narrow gate. The gate is small and narrow that leads to life, but the gate is broad, the scripture says, that leads to destruction. And many are those that go that way. But there's a narrow gate. There's a humility of humbling ourselves and bowing our hearts and saying, Jesus, I give you all of my life. And if we come into the kingdom, we get the power. Now, many people want the power without going through that narrow door. It doesn't work that way. If you want God's help, you want his power, you've got to be willing to go and enter into his kingdom. But as you enter into his kingdom through the narrow door and you receive the power, then the question ultimately is why? For the glory of God. You know, my, my hope and my prayer as you've watched these, uh, watched these telecasts or maybe you've, you're catching this online uh, through Facebook or through our website or some are watching it through uh, Fox 17. But really, this is a collective moment where we turn as a society, not just individuals, but we say, you know, we want to find out your purpose for our lives and we want to see America healed. We want to see the world healed. And the way we can turn from all of our self-interest and all of our different reasons and, 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 and motivations and say that if we really want to, to, to honor God, Lord, we want to see an end to not only the pandemic, but we want to see an end to a lot of things. There's a lot of stuff that's, that, it, that has caused our world to be polarized. We don't realize how much common ground we really have as individuals, that we have a shared humanity that instead of just treating each other with disdain, we can actually listen to each other. We can learn the language of the listener. We can start conversations and ask questions before we start talking and really try to understand the worldview of someone else. What's, what's troubling them? But yet, the only way we'll, we'll ever have those kind of motivations is if our hearts are turned to God to say, God, we want your glory to be, to be that which is honored. We want your name to be honored. And I, I just want to bring it back down to us individually. If we will humble ourselves, as the scripture promises, turn from our wicked ways. It says if we'll humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways, God will hear from heaven, forgive our sins, and heal our land. And so I'm going to pray. And I just want to pray that, that our hearts would be turned to say, Lord, we want to honor you. And that fact, that's just a simple prayer. Not only Jesus forgive us, Jesus, give us this, our daily bread, forgive us our sins, lead us, deliver us. But Lord, may yours, your kingdom, your power, and for your glory, may my life be aligned with those three things. A man or a woman, a boy or a girl, that I'm fully in your kingdom. I mean, to be in the kingdom of God, you, you basically say, Jesus, today I'm turning to you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And because you have been raised from the dead, this very day I can be raised up into a new person. It says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. That's what Jesus meant by being born again. Not a physical rebirth, but a spiritual rebirth. 
And that's really what it means to be, to come into the kingdom of God, to be born again. But then he gives you the power. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So as your first gift of coming into the kingdom, it's by the power of the Spirit, not only to recreate you spiritually, but then to fill you. But then now that you've got this new life and this new power, your motivation is new. It's not for me. It's not to prove anybody wrong or right, or I I, I told you I'd make it, or see, you know, it wasn't the end for me. But you know what? It's not about that. It's about, Lord, I want to live for your glory. So, Father, today, as we pray, I pray that men and women of all ages would say yes to you and they would enter your kingdom, that you would do what you promised. You would give us the promised Holy Spirit, that you've, you've not given us a spirit of fear, but power, even as that fear is like, a, is like darkness, the power of God can drive that fear away. Lord, not only fill us, but Lord, now give us a, a new motivation, a new reason that we would live our lives as individuals, as communities, as families, as communities, as a city and even a nation to honor you. Lord, may that be our prayer. May, may that be the heart cry of this nation at this critical time that we might honor you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name.